You know, I got a news article that is from real life, but I think it could be turned into a movie. Welcome to my take. Well, it's not my take. It's Miguel Crespo's take. Whatever. For inspiration to go. Welcome to my take, Pastor Crespo here. My take is your oasis of inspiration and hope in the desert of negativity and despair. Thank you for being a part of the My Take family. Thank you for joining the podcast. I have a news article that I want to share with you today, and I always forget to do these things, of course. Listen, like, share, subscribe. If you know anyone that would benefit from something in social media today that is positive, that will give you something, uh, will give you some education, of course. You know, we, we want to share Bible knowledge with people here on this podcast. If you know anybody that's interested, anyone that would be benefited by it, let them know. My Take with Miguel Crespo exists. We're on all sorts of platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Amazon as well. I mean, the, the, this, we, we keep adding some of these things as we go along, but uh, it should be pretty easy to find if you're not uh, on Apple or on Spotify. All right, let's get into it. I have a news article I want to share with you today. This is Shaping Up to potentially be one of the biggest pay-per-view events in a really, really long time. Now, I don't know if you're into fighting, boxing, if you're into mixed martial arts, probably not, I don't know. But, uh, you know, whenever you get these celebrity bouts, they tend to make a lot of money. People want to see people get together. You know, I think, uh, let's see, if you're into this kind of thing, do you remember the the pay-per-view fight between uh, Conor McGregor an MMA superstar and who was a Floyd May Mayweather, I think it was. Uh, he's a professional boxer, a champ. Those two got into it from two different disciplines, but they 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 boxed in a match, and I think it was something like fifty million dollars that that the purse was from this thing, or what they made from it. Well, this this promises, as I understand it, to be even bigger. And the the point that I'm sharing. This on the podcast is because there is, I believe, some Bible lesson that we can take from it. So let me share with you this article. Uh, this is from Sky News, but it's not just there. Let me share this one. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg agrees to Elon Musk's cage fight challenge. Hopefully you know who Zuckerberg and Musk are. The tech rivals discussed a possible UFC bout in a string of social media messages to their millions of Twitter and Instagram followers. So let me give you a little bit of what happened here. If you don't know who these gentlemen are, Mark Zuckerberg is, I believe he's 39, 39 years old. He is the founder of Facebook. Now it, now it goes by the name of Meta, M-E-T-A, Meta. While Elon Musk is uh, also a household name, a celebrity in his, in his own right, he is the owner or the CEO, I guess, of Tesla. He has worked on things from rocket ships. He's worked on things from electric cars. The guy is known as a genius. There is a, I don't know if you want to call it a, 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 a tiff. Is that the right word? There, there is some, some competition that's been stirring between these two. And that has led to this whole notion that there may be an actual MMA fight between these two guys. Let me let me kind of share with you a little bit about how this came about. So, billionaire, this is again in this article, billionaire technology rivals Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg have agreed to fight each other in a cage match. Twitter owner Musk, 51, said on his social media platform that he was up for a cage fight with Zuckerberg, 
Zuckerberg, by the way, is 39 years old. Now, of course, uh, Zuckerberg, the, the Facebook founder uh, and Meta chief CEO, the, the, sorry, the CEO, he responded to Musk's post. Basically, he just said three words, send me location. Well, Musk's response was, I'm trying to follow this article here. Musk's response was very simply, he had two words, Vegas Octagon. Now, a spokesman for Meta, the parent company of Facebook, has has said that you know these are actual uh, posts that are going back and forth between Zuckerberg and and then those speaking for uh, Twitter are saying it's the same thing that Musk. These are real posts. This is Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk talking about a potential cage match, uh, an MMA fight. And if you don't know what MMA stands for, mixed martial arts, an MMA fight between those two. Now. Let me just share a couple of more things on this article before I move on. It says here, Musk, this is just for your information, Musk, who completed a $44 billion takeover of Twitter last October, joked around. He said when he was talking about fighting, he says, I have this great move that I call the walrus, where I just lie on top of my opponent and do nothing. He continued in his tweet, I almost never work out except for picking up my kids and throwing them in the air. Now, I don't know if you know who these guys are. There's a lot more to the story. Let me let me share this with you. Hold on. Let me get uh, I want to I want to uh give you a little picture. If you don't know who these guys are, the guy on the left is uh Mark Zuckerberg, the guy on the right is Elon Musk. Let me share a little bit of what's going on here because really it's not just what's happening in the social media posts. It's what's happening behind the scenes. So, Mark Zuckerberg is the, as I said, the CEO of Facebook, Meta, I guess it, it's the new name that it's come under. And the, the he's a billionaire. The guy has made his money in all of these social media. Uh, the, the growth of social media has grown his pocketbook. So Facebook has millions and millions of users on it. Well, he um, is in competition with Elon Musk now, because Elon Musk was in the technology sector, but he brought Twitter, and Twitter is kind of like a direct competitor to Facebook in a sense. Well, just recently, just recently, Mark Zuckerberg decided to create another social media app called Threads. Now, Threads, and I actually, I just, I just got on it uh, before the podcast because I wanted to learn a little bit about it. Threads, according to experts who are into this thing, have said that Threads is a direct competitor to the Twitter app. It does pretty much the same thing. So now we have in the social media sphere these two apps, and they are in direct competition against one another, and one another which pits Musk versus Zuckerberg. And so I believe that this has kind of led to this whole notion of Elon Musk kind of maybe jabbing you know, poking, poking Zuckerberg in the ribs with this idea of a, of a match, of an MMA cage match. And, of course, Zuckerberg responded. But there's more that you need to understand. See, Zuckerberg <laughs> Zuckerberg is, is, is not just a billionaire. The guy, the guy is also a, um, he's also a practicer of, a practitioner, excuse me, of jujitsu. Zuckerberg is somebody that is not, this guy is no slouch, okay? He's a, he's 39 years old. He's been working out. Here's a picture with him. And uh, I recognize one of them as, as Israel Adesanya. I don't recognize the other guy, but these are two MMA 
champions. These are these are these are some tough dudes. And so he's been working out with them. He actually competed not too long ago, as I understand it, uh, in a, in a jujitsu competition and actually placed. Got got. Uh, I I don't know if it was a medal or or a ribbon or whatever. But in any event, the guy is a serious jujitsu guy, going against Musk, who uh, says he doesn't even work out. Now, what's the big deal? Why am I sharing this with you? Because the people who study this, the people who are in business, the people who have studied the technology and social media apps, they believe that while this may be an interesting thing, that this may create some issues for their businesses, that this may create an issue that will result in loss of money for one of them. Because what they're saying is this, is that the issues at stake is not just, you know, two guys, you know, throwing each other around a ring they're talking about the fact that whoever loses is their stock in their company is going to take a huge hit and they could stand to lose thousands, maybe even millions of dollars for whoever loses. And of course the opposite is true. Whoever wins stands to potentially not just, you know, it's, it's going to be on TV and everybody who, who will uh, post it, everyone who's going to stream it, there'll be all sorts of money made. Uh, these guys are already billionaires. They're not doing it for money, but, the winner, their company, their organization stands to gain hundreds, thousands, maybe millions of dollars because of the change in the stock just based on this one fight. Now, I, I have some things that I want to share about it, but the first thing I want to share is how interesting is that two billionaires, two billionaires are, are and from what I understand that this is taken on... Um, a very serious tone where they're actually serious about doing this. It's almost like you can't back out now because you, you, you open the door Musk and Zuckerberg walked through that door. And now if one of you guys backs out, that in itself is going to create a potential problem for you and your business. So I don't know that there's a date yet for this match, but the person, if you're familiar with the MMA world, the UFC, Dana White, he's kind of, uh, the, the head of the UFC, he has said that the fight that, uh, who was it? I, the, I just mentioned earlier here, uh, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor, I think gross something like $50 million. That that is nothing compared to what he believes that the money that will be made from this cage match between these two billionaires. Um, it is crazy. It's incredible. Now, I got to talk to you a little bit. The, 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 um, as I'm thinking about this, you know, I think about these guys that they're about to go at it. I don't know what Musk was thinking. I don't know what Elon Musk was thinking. Why would you, I mean, you know, the guy's supposed to be a genius. L let's compare these guys. Let's compare these guys. So here we have, and I'm going to go back here. I want to show this thing to you again. Um, here we have, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg. There is a there is an age difference. Okay, number one. Number two. Here we have this is this is is what Elon Musk is going to have to be dealing with. He's got a guy who's practicing jujitsu with some of the best in the profession. He's already competed. He's already won some of his competitions. And Elon Musk, who has admitted that he doesn't work out. He, he admits he only works out when he's throwing his kids up in the air. He's got a wall. This my, my move that I'm going to win with is the walrus move where you lay on somebody and you, then you just don't move. 
he's opened his opened this door and he's opened his mouth to be able to take on that. Now, I have some things that I've been thinking about I want to share with you. And and even as I'm doing the podcast here, it, the thoughts come to my mind. Compare a billionaire who is a practicer of jujitsu who takes care of himself. You can see he looks kind of fit. Kind of, if you think about it, think about think about Zuckerberg and and the shape he's in and what he does. Doesn't that kind of sound to you like one of those villains you see in these movies, like in a James Bond movies or something? That you know they're 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 in good shape, they know how to fight, and then and then here you have Elon Musk. You got Musk, he's 51 years old. He's well, let, let's look at him. Elon Musk is a billionaire. If you know anything about him, the guy is kind of a playboy. So he's a billionaire playboy who owns several tech companies. He sent people to space. He does work with electrical cars. Um, he does all sorts of work with technology, robots. and Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. So here we have, we have a billionaire who's a martial artist, kind of looks like a bad guy in a James Bond movie. And then we have Elon Musk, billionaire, playboy. He's a tech giant. He knows technology. I think I just described Batman. Could Elon Musk be? Hmm. Who do you think would win in a match between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg? Do you think, first of all, do you think it's going to happen? Second of all, if they did get into it in a, in a MMA match, they call it the cage match. They would fight in this octagon. I, they've even, as I said, the location, they want to do it in Las Vegas. Who do you think would win between the two? Do you care? And the crazier question is, why am I even bringing this up in this podcast? Okay, all right, all right. Well, let me tell you what I'm doing here. This is what I want to share with you. As I was thinking about this story, the thing that struck me about the story is this, is that this is not just a competition between two people. The stakes are higher for the winner and loser. There are bigger issues than just two guys who have egos and, you know, they, they want to kind of uh, go at it. And no, nope. something bigger is at stake based on who wins and who loses beyond bragging rights. There's a whole lot of money at stake. And I believe this, this is something that you may not automatically think about, that whoever wins in this match stands to make, for example, Zuckerberg stands to make Meta a lot of money in their stock because it just, again, it's amazing what moves the stock market these days. But if Musk wins, he stands to make a lot of money for, for his company, for Twitter and all these other companies that he owns. Again, if they lose their stock is going to take a hit. If they win, their stock is going to jump. The idea is this, is that here is a contest between two people, that the issue is not just the contest between two people. It is the two groups that they represent. It is what will happen to the two groups based on who wins and who loses. Ah, uh, you, you, are, you are you seeing the spiritual jump now? Yes, I, I, I hope you do. Let me tell you a little story to try and cement that a little bit. Now, the Bible tells a story. You can find the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. The Bible tells a story that I'm sure you're all familiar with, the story of a battle between uh, uh, David and Goliath. 
Goliath represented his people. David represented his people, which were the children of Israel. The interesting thing about this is that the armies, the two separate armies were supposed to fight one another. And so as they were going to do this, something happened. Sorry, I got, I got distracted. Let me, let, me, let me back up a bit. In, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, you read a story about David and Goliath. Now, David represented the people of Israel. Goliath represented the people of Philistia, the Philistines. David had not originally gone there to fight Goliath. It just, you know, you got to read that. You have to read the book to really get the flavor of what's going on. But, but the long and the short of it is this, is that David finds himself in a situation where he's with the army of Israel and everybody there is afraid. Goliath comes out, he's this giant. And depending on who you talk to and, and, and the theolo theologians you speak with, he could have been anywhere from seven, eight feet to 11 feet tall. In any event, this man was a giant, and he came out and he challenged the people of Israel. He challenged the army of Israel, and he basically said this, look, send out someone to fight with me. Send someone to fight against me, rather than having the two armies fight. And whichever one of us wins is the victor. If you win, then the Philistines will be your servants. But if I win, then you will be our servants. And so the Bible says that he came out day after day for a while. They're just continually defying the Israelites' God, embarrassing Israel, challenging the men. Not one person was brave enough to face Goliath until a 16-year-old goat herder, <laughs> shepherd, he comes on the scene and he, he can't stand to see what the Goliath is doing. Now here we have a contest. David finally finds himself on the field against Goliath. And again, this is a long story. You need to read 1 Samuel chapter 17, a little bit before and after. It's a great, great story. But the bottom line is this, is that David came representing Israel, representing his God. And David won. And really not because of David's skill or ability. He won because God, God blessed him. God led him to victory. But the thing was, this battle, this battle represented who was going to win. Whoever won, it wasn't just going to be their victory. It wasn't just going to be their death. It was going to mean the victory of their people or the subjugation of their people. Which, by the way, if you read the story, you come to find out that the Philistines never honored their word anyway. Because once Goliath was dead, they took off running and they had never had any intention of keeping their word. Which, you know, that's a sermon in and of itself. But this, this I try not to do too much preaching on the podcast. But the idea is this, is that here was a battle in the Bible with deep implications beyond just what one person's victory or defeat would mean. Their victory would impact their people. Their failure, their death, their loss would impact their people, their people as well. You know, I want to talk to you about something else now. In the Bible, a greater battle, which on the face of it, it may seem like a battle between two people. But the implications of who wins and who loses are huge. I'm talking about in Christian circles, what we refer to in church many times at the, as the great battle between Christ and Satan. Often it's referred to as the great controversy. The great controversy between Jesus and his angels and the devil and his angels. And I have to tell you that that battle has already been fought. That battle has already been won. When Jesus died on the cross, it's interesting that, that in order to win, Jesus had to lose his life. But that battle, that death, that victory that he brought, he brought to his people on the cross didn't just impact him. 
It impacted everyone who belongs to him, everyone who's on his side. And I want to talk to you about that because whose side do you choose to be on? The, the, the battle's already been won. Here's the amazing thing. This isn't a fight that's upcoming. The battle has already been won. You just have to choose whose side you want to be on. And I think any thinking, reasonable person needs to decide to choose the team that's won, right? Um, let me share one text with you. I don't have it on the screen. There are several places that you find it in the Bible, but I want to draw your attention and really focus maybe this podcast around this one thing, that this battle between Jesus and his angels and Satan and his angels and this what we call this great controversy. The Bible in several places, refers to Jesus as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Uh, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it, the Bible makes a statement where God is talking to Adam and Eve, and he's talking about what happened as a result of their sin. And he says that there will be enmity, there will be angst, there will be uh, the opposite of what friendship is, hatred, enmity, between the people who follow God and the people who follow the devil. And it says that the devil's people will bruise the heel of God's people, which is symbolically speaking, but that God's people, or Jesus, will crush the head of the enemy. Now, it's important to understand that because what it means is this. God had predicted from the very beginning of the world, once sin entered, that there would be this conflict between good and evil, between Jesus and Satan. And while Satan will have some victories here, we see that sometimes in, in our own experience, it promises that Jesus will win the war. Jesus did win the war at Calvary. Now, one last thing I want to leave you with is this. Think about what this means. When it says that Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, it's, it's sending a message. It's, it's saying this. It's saying that the plan to save mankind the, the, the idea of winning this battle to save mankind was devised before the world was even created. In other words, Jesus, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Ghost, knowing that they would give man the free will, the ability to choose what they wanted to do, rather than forcing them, said, look, there may be some who may choose differently, but we want to make a way for them to be able to be reconciled back to us. But that reconciliation has to come at the life of God. And Jesus, Jesus, from before the world was created, had committed himself to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to fight that battle, win it, and allow us to be reconciled back to his family. Would you pause just a moment and just consider what that means? Consider what that means that you have so much value to God, the God who sees the beginning from the end, that God who in reality, his life, who he is, what he does, his existence, his character is so much greater and higher than human beings. But yet, from the very foundation of things, he said, if this happens, I'm willing and I'm ready. I will do whatever it takes to save my children. Wow. When he did that, I want you to know, <laughs> he was thinking about you. He was thinking about me. I think if we spent more time thinking about that, you know our days would be much, much better. God did it for you. That's how important you are to him. That's my take. And that's inspiration to go.